Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It's so Jewish. Let me start, be very Jewish, and I start with an apology. I feel all over the map this morning. You know, we do great preparation for this show, and uh, great preparation. I think it's great preparation. Any preparation on my part feels pretty great. And um, there's just so much I want to share, so much I want to shout, so much I want to scream, so much I want to embrace across the airways. And sometimes it feels like I don't even know where we're going, what we're doing here. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for all of you who are listening in live. It's been a very powerful week. And just as you turn into moral, accurate, Israel-centered outlets to get your accurate, moral, centered information, I feel great gratitude from this side of the microphone. It is incredible. Well, it is an incredible endeavor to be sharing morality during days that seem so bleak so dark, and even through moments of inaccurate, but nevertheless weighty bleakness. Let's have, let's take care of a little bit of business now. First of all, let's say good evening, good night. It is so late to listeners listening in from the United States of America. I know Kathy's with us today, had some very interesting, uh, real-time talks this week. Kathy really enlightened me, my friend Kathy, in Manhattan. Let me know really what the vibe is on the New York scene, and I'm very grateful. And gotten beautiful letters from the States, I think from Texas. I heard from Frank. Frank, I need to get back to you. You wrote me two great letters this week, Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. You in California, I think it's nine at night. Hope you have a glass of wine. And are listening into our holy show here. Another ripped, torn, emotionally trying morning. Um, good morning to our friends in Nigeria are with us again. Ireland is with us this morning. Mexico, hello. Colombia is with us. South Africa, have a few words about South Africa. Um, Yemen is with us. This is interesting. Listening in live this morning, we have some very holy people from both St. Kitts and Nevis. I have to get out my map. I'm ashamed. Okay, you will not remain strangers for long. Australia is with us and Argentina with your new president. Hmm. We'll get to that. When things quiet down, we'll talk about other things that are going on in the news, things to pique our curiosity. And... Um, like to know your thoughts. Anything on today's program piques your interest. Uh, want to know my sources. Would like to share something with me. Would like me to send you some of the actual links to the videos I come across. Write to me. Talk to me. Keep it civil. I'll keep it civil back. And I really enjoy the interaction. I hope you do as well. You can reach me at Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Calm. Let's stay connected, folks. It is the best we can do. And you know what? It's pretty darn good. So, 
I say to all of us, all of us who have very mixed feelings about the hostage releases, there are so many left behind. I don't even know how many are out now. What horrible condition they are in. Many torn feelings. People ask me from overseas, Andrea, what do the Israelis think? As though I have the hotline to every Israeli heart. We have the hotline to the listeners of Bullet Pacher, but no more. And I say, there's a tear. There's a tear in our fabric. A tear in our fabric because we know that every day of this cease fire ceased on our end. But we know who our opponents are. Isn't that a nice word? Our opponents. We know who the other team is. That ceasefire has been broken, not once, several times. They play hard and fast with rules that don't apply to them. But all rules apply to Israel. All rules apply to Jews. The way any other country would react, respond, retaliate. These are options that we have compromised. Because we don't just have the hands of Hamas at our neck and the hands of Hezbollah. We have the hands of our well-meaning friends who tie conditions to their outreach. And so we remain vigilant. Every day of ceasefire is another day when the danger factor rises here in Israel. And yet, as I've said to Kathy, and I've said to my brother Kenny, and I've said to my friends in Israel, and I've said to my husband Ronnie, and has been said back to me, for me to opine on the dangers of the ceasefire while others are waiting for their loved ones, to please, Mr. Hamas, send him her home, send them back. That's a luxury I have. Because none of my blood relatives have been imprisoned in Gaza. So I can play the what-if game. Very dear friends of ours, last night, their son was returned. I cannot imagine. I'm having more fun imagining their day today because I wouldn't even go there. My imagination could not go to the place of their days prior to his return. And guess what? That was a privilege I had to shut it off. However, we must remain vigilant and we must continue the discussions and we must think. And I remember I had a friend in college who used to say, his, his tagline always was, well, that has nothing to do with me. And then he went on with his business. And I really thought that that was very, it has nothing to do with me. Thankfully, I realize now that my friend was wrong. It all has to do with me, with you, with us. We are not exempt 
from the dialogues, from the talks, from the prayers, from the thinking, from the reaching out. And so I implore all of us this morning, don't lose your resolve. We are strong. And even more than strong, we are moral. And even more than moral, or let's say, on the same level with moral, we, B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, the land of Israel, and the Jewish people, we are worthy of emulation. Do not, what is it, hide your light beneath a bushel? I don't even know what that means. Somebody tell me. Today is the day that you put your shoulders back and recognize who you are part of, what you are part of. And it gets scary. I am not oblivious to the numbers, the sheer numbers of misinformed Cretans, Cretans, what's a Cretan? A Cretan, who with no information, who cannot even find Israel on the map, know not just what our behavior should be, but how we should be eradicated from the family of man. Oh, the Netherlands, Netherlands Antilles, and Jamaica has joined us today. Good morning. Do not fear. Do not fear. Wherever that fear comes from, it is because we are forgetting what we know. And when you know that God's promise is that Israel will be, the people of Israel will live always. Not we hope, not with prayer and a song. We will be. We were chosen to be. So all the Susan Saradins, what's her name, Susan Saradin? Cynthia Nixons, the Eric Claptons, the Roger Waters. Need I go on and on and on? The idols that we have crowned in our secular emptiness. Follow the fools or follow the facts. And the facts are the holy blueprint. The blueprint that has never let us down yet. The blueprint that proves itself accurate time and time again. The Torah. And the last note I wrote myself, see, here's the paper. Here are the notes. This is the day, today, Thursday, November 30th, 
2023. Coming to you live from Jerusalem on Israel News Talk Radio. I say to you that this is the time to get a little bit humble if you haven't been blessed with a robust Jewish education, with a robust connectiveness to Jewish custom and halacha, Jewish law. If your understanding of Jewish and Israeli history is somehow anemic, smile, be humble, and today is the day to reach beyond why and just get started. Get the facts. It's your team. It's your club. You've always had the membership card. So today is the day. And if you need help starting, drop me a note. I'll send you a list of 13 websites that will be holy and pure and honest and accurate and loving and hand-holding and will help you access your birthright. Because so many Jews this morning are asking the question, why can't we get on top of this? Why won't they love us? Why can't we be just seen as the good people that we are? And maybe, just maybe, there's a reason that is beyond our very limited human understanding, a reasoning that is indeed heavenly, but a reasoning that all of us have access to. If only we will reach beyond the mundane, beyond the sloppy and accessible, but reach for our birthrights, reach for the holiness, and reach for the hidden clues to your forever existence. My friend this week, my friend Liat, uh, I'm going to be tossing, I'm going to be name dropping today, okay? We're throwing out the name drops, the name drops, right? Um, uh, I owe you, I owe you a, a mail, Todd, as well. Okay, so my friend Liat, who I know since she was a little girl, everybody was a little girl once and I was always an old lady, she sent me this wonderful message and she said, imagine being one of the most documented indigenous people in the world, dating back 3,000 years. Take that for a minute. And this has been evidenced in the Bible and indisputable archaeology. Okay, we're on the same page. Now, with that information at hand, one has to explain this to a group of white college students who can't find Israel on the map, that you are, in fact, Indigenous. Very eye-opening. Jewish friends, stop checking Caucasian when you're in all your applications to non-Ivy League, I hope, colleges. Okay? You are part of the glorious Jewish Semitic nation of Israel. Um, okay, Relief Workers Association. The UN. We have them all over. We have enemies living in our midst. I happen to live, you can find me on the map. Okay, I hope my enemies don't show up at my door. I live in a neighborhood 
Um, <laughs> we like it. I chose this neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood. I call it the Amcha neighborhood. You know, really the the community of the masses, really working class neighborhood, deliberately chose it. I wanted to kind of hide when I uh, when I married Ronnie, oh my gosh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. See, we're dropping names. We got his name there. And we moved to a neighborhood called Armon Hanatziv. Just like privileged college students can't find Israel on the map, I couldn't find Armon Hanatziv, okay, which literally translates to the governor's mansion. All right, so we were always under <laughs> under higher powers. And so I moved to this neighborhood, and I said, okay, there's a nice neighborhood. There's a supermarket. There's a community center, um, nice little young Israel shul, a mikvah. Good. We have everything. What I didn't know at the time was that I was actually living between two Arab villages. One Arab village is called Jabal Makaba. And you've heard about them in the news, that, that lofty group. And then the other one is called Tsur Bahar. And I realized, I said, oh, we have Arab villages nearby where I live. And apparently, I live between two Arab villages. Anyway, um, living in my neighborhood, this I also have the great merit of living in the shadow of the UN monstrosity, but the UN is based you know, who was it? Somebody said the, the unified nobodies, the United Nations. And we have them. They're driving back and forth. They're big vans. You pay. All of you people who are paying your taxes, you, you, the, the UN is doing very well. Thank you. You're doing a good job. So you've all heard about the UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Workers Association, not far from the reported do-gooders like UNICEF. Remember, we used to put the money in the UNICEF. All of these are enemies of the Jewish people. I said it. I mean, some are enemies. They may not like us. They may not understand. They are enemies, abject of the Jewish people. Ask UNICEF how much UNICEF money has been gone, is going to the displaced, traumatized, forever injured children of the border communities of Israel's south. Demand an accounting. No, save your breath. I'll tell you. Zip. Zero. So you have this organization, the United Nations Relief Workers Relief Workers Association. I guess that's what the A is. I know. I actually went to their Christmas ball one year. Don't ask. It's a whole other story. Okay, I wore an evening gown. It was very nice. Um, one of the hostages, one of the hostages that was released, just to let you know, and I want you to put this in your pipe and smoke it, was kept for 50 days, hidden, secreted from Israeli authorities, from our holy army, who kept and hid and abused this Israeli hostage, an employee of UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Workers Association. You know, the UN government body. Take a minute and let that sink in. If that doesn't make you sit down and write a scathing letter to your congressman, to your senator, to the White House, to the press, and to the United Nations... I don't know what's going to move you. Jabu Makaba. How many, how many t- 
terrorist, filthy swine? How much human excrement have we released from our prisons over the last four or five days? Correct me, producer, if I'm wrong. I think we're up to 72. 72. 72 embodiments of human refuse has been released from the Israeli prisons. And don't say, well, you know, we you got to release even amounts. Let me tell you about the Jews. The Jews that are imprisoned. Some coming out. Some still not found. They know. They know exactly how many of the 10,000. Is it 10,000? Is it ten? Is it 10 million? Is it 10? Is it 49,000? How many of their precious, so well-maintained, so proud Gazan citizens were killed by the evil, by the evil Jewish army? And they can't tell you. They can't tell you. Where 25%, 30% of the hostages are. They can't tell you if they're dead or alive. They can't tell you who has them and or where their remains may be. I know. It's mind-blowing that you are being lied to. I know, dear listeners, your heads have to be swimming. How could it be? My friend asks, why do they? How? Reach beyond. It is. I know people hate that statement. It is what it is. I love it. It's liberating. It is what it is and move beyond. They do not know where they are. Um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine wrote this week and he happens to be a hairdresser like me. We have a professional relationship. And he wrote about one of his employees. is my friend Dave. And he wrote about one of his former, Dave's no longer uh, working in town, but he wrote about one of his former employees. And I knew this. I knew this information, and it's a stereotype. But he talked about having a Palestinian hairdresser for 10 years that worked with him. Really talented guy. Clients loved him. He used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning in order to work at 10 because he had to go through the roadblocks and show his permission. Um, the, the clients loved him, okay? Clients absolutely loved him. And my friend Dave, these were days before they were butchering us. I don't know, butchering us at Love and Peace Festivals. So Dave used to go to his village and have dinner under his grapevines. Beautiful. And it was a family home. And he used to live in Eureka, and he would sit with his father, and they would have political discussions, and he would give a lot of insight and thought 
into their mindset and their culture. And I have to tell you, I digress from my script a little bit. I remember this. I remember also, I used to give makeup classes for Arab women and um, their mothers when I, I belonged to an organization who women were battling cancer. And so I would work with Jewish women and sometimes I was invited and I had a translator with me and I would speak with Arab women and their daughters and we would give makeup classes and we laughed and we talked and it was really very, very nice. And the insight to the differences were really quite staggering. So Dave talks about how he... One aspect that he would not ever forget is he described how the average Arab boy grows up, all right? And um, when living under the likes of Yasser Arafat, whose name should be obliterated, or Hamas. So they grow up to be brainwashed, to hate Israel through their curriculum at school and in streets that are packed with who? Unemployed. Angry men, men who know that to show anger at their own people will result in their own demise, the destruction of their own houses, they're being blackballed. And so they're always screaming about revenge, revenge for something, something, something that who? Israel had done. Their fathers had to choose for their sons which group they would belong to. And it depended on who was in power that day, who was being funded more by who? You. And, you know, what the outside forces like Iran were telling them to do. But in a very important aspect, the people in the West never hear about, and you'll never, ever grasp, is that these young men grow up never having intimate relationships, never having close relationships with women. If they were caught even flirting with a girl, maybe kissing a girl without being married to her. The girl's family, if the girl's family heard about this, most likely she would be killed in an honor killing. Maybe, you know, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not for a kiss, maybe for sex, I don't know. But just even the concept, don't get used to it. Or she could be banished from the village or... They could beg for mercy and get married immediately. Okay. We used to have shotgun weddings, remember that? But to get married, the girl's family wants proof that the boy can support their daughter, which in most cases they can't because they're completely uneducated. They're unemployed. They've been working since the age of 11 or 13, mixing cement. But in some cases... The boy's family um, has an uncle who might come forward and vouch for the boy. But you know what? In the majority of the cases, you end up with a young man who hasn't had any kind of intimacy with the opposite sex. And if they're caught, God forbid, with another man, we know what happens. Thrown off the roof in the worst case or thrown out of the village. And that's in the lucky case. Ask anybody in the homosexual community in Tel Aviv. So you can imagine, you take a boy in Gaza who grows up from birth being completely brainwashed to hate Israelis. He goes to military summer camp and he puts on plays depicting Israelis killing Palestinian children. But in the end, showing they can get revenge, killing all the Jews to applause from their parents who are sitting in the audience. Don't take my word for it. Andrea, send me a video. Okay, let's go to the videotape, right? 
take that brainwashed boy. Again, he's never had any intimacy with a woman. He's a boy. His hormones are surging. You put a gun in his hand. You pump him up with speed, other synthetic drugs that exacerbate his aggression. You promise him 72 virgins in heaven, and he dies a martyr. And you tell him that if you do rape, if you have that kind of mazel, if you're that lucky, make it horrific in order to instill absolute horror and fear in the case of the enemy, because what he'll do will be recorded by his body cam or somebody else's, okay? You can see what is building up towards October 7th. All those young, beautiful women that were kidnapped on the 7th from the kibbutzim. You can't even let your mind go there. That mentality is, and I know somebody will say to me, but they're not all like that. It is so hard to grasp. It is so far from who we are it exists it is what it is it's also why in the arab world doesn't let women get into positions of power in most arab countries women aren't allowed to drive or vote or go outside if they are they have to have a man with them oh oh there's one country they are allowed to drive they are allowed to vote they are allowed to go to school i forgot it's Israel. But that just tells you what the mindset is. Okay. You don't know. I have like 40 pages of notes and I'm still on page one. Um, yeah. Joe Biden. Everyone was very, very happy. Very, very thrilled. Joe Biden got on the plane. He came here. What is that plane? US-1. Um, let everybody know that America has Israel's back. They will not interfere. They will not, okay? No American has to be reminded that we have, we know, we are the embodiment. We are the walking wounded. We know who Hamas is. But apparently, President Biden might need some reminding because he Recently, I couldn't believe this. I don't have the date in front of me. Oh, I think, yeah, October 25th. What's uh, what's today? Um, all right. The president apparently apologized for casting doubt on Hamas's casualty reports in Gaza. This is like just, this is mind-blowing. What is it that my British friends say? Gobsmacked. He made this apology in secret. He backed down in a meeting with five Muslim Americans. I have these notes in front of me. A fact that suggests that Hamas has garnered sympathy, if not outright support, among some Americans and, and immigrants from Muslim lands. Well, that's not a surprise. But when on, oh yeah, this is it. So when on October 25th, when in a rare news conference, he addressed the issue of civilian casualties from the Israeli attacks a week after Hamas and um the health ministry insisted that Israel had bombed a hospital and killed 500 Palestinians. But he did the bold thing. He said to Israel, we have your back. We will not tie your hands. We will not stop you. But instead, 24 hours later, 
Joe Biden, president of the United States, president of the free world, completely flip-flopped in a meeting with Muslim American activists who managed to get an hour in to say that they were furious for him. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Votes. And what was his insipid, vapid, impotent answer? According to the Washington Post, this is a quote. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in myself. I will do better. The paper said one of the visitors told the president, Palestinians are dying. We're not okay with the numbers of their dead being disputed. Oh my gosh. There are so many. Palestinians are dying. Yeah, we know. We know. We know. You did it. You are responsible. Shame on you. But how typical of you. All right, one of my favorite people in the world, Musab Hassan Youssef. Um, he's actually a sheik, Sheik Hassan Youssef. He is the son of the Hamas co-founder, Sheik Hassan Youssef. And he calls upon Israel. I adore him. Um, he calls upon Israel to set a time limit for the terrorist group to release all of the remaining hostages. And if not to kill all of the Hamas leaders, including his own fathers, and including his own father. And his direct quote is, Hamas has been waging psychological warfare against humanity. They want to release thousands of mass murderers back to the street. <laughs> they have. In return for the Israeli hostages, Israel cannot afford this. But also, listen in, folks. If you're ambivalent about Jews, listen to Hassan Youssef. Humanity cannot afford this because the release of mass murderers means the death of many other innocent people. He goes on to say that he made a mistake 10 or 15 years ago when he saved his father's life many, many times. You know, you get guys like Hassan Youssef getting it. We have so many members of our holy Druze community who are getting it. We have members of previous enemies who are getting it, who are standing with us shoulder to shoulder, not angry shoulder to shoulder, not equal to our enemies' filth shoulder to shoulder, but want to be part of the moral glory of the Jewish people, and they're getting it. So don't be frightened. There's room at the table. Talking about holy, let's give out, let's see, I have so many negative notes, negative notes. Oh, CBC, we're going to talk about Canadian Broadcasting. Canadian Broadcasting Council, is it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Anyway, I don't know how many of you have heard about um, the Ida Crown Yeshiva. I happen to know about Ida Crown because two of my I, two of my nieces, uh, uh, one of my nieces and one of my nephews, um, actually graduated from the Holy Ida Crown Jewish Academy. I think it's in Chicago. Is it in Chicago? Near Chicago? Anyway, um, putting their money where their mouth is, putting the chinuch, putting the education 
They are taking the entire senior class who will come to Israel for a month. This is costing them a fortune. But there's nothing like Jewish education. And for one month, the entire senior class, they're leaving, no student behind. They will volunteer in Israel as a result of the massacre, and the students are going to engage in various volunteer activities, including working on farms, providing support to families of soldiers, assisting in the hospitals, and preparing care packages for the military. Listen, it's not a joke here. There are a lot of, you know, it's not business as usual in Israel. I'm not using this show to talk about the vibe, the heartache. Anybody listening in from Israel, and I see you're there, God bless all of us. Please, God, continue to bless all of us. We're not okay. Things aren't open. We're frightened. The weight of sadness far, far outweighs that of fear. I don't think we are, as a community, as frightened as we are deeply sad. But what's very important to understand is that regular businesses, banks, civic organizations, hospitals, there are areas and arenas that are working on skeletal staffs. So when these wonderful, driven, we saw them, we saw them cheering in Washington two weeks ago, when they come with their energy and then they have Shabbos dinner with real Israeli families, families with someone, Loa Lane, who's, who's a hostage, families who have not just one, but many members on our borders. It makes it real. So I have to say, call a kavod to the Ida Crown School, and they, 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 they quickly, they rallied to make this trip possible. And... Um, here is our senior, let's drop her name, we like her, Jordana Zwelling. Jordana, you're famous on Israel News Talk Radio. She, her enthusiasm, I'm so proud that our school is sending us to Israel. I only wish other yeshiva high schools could join us in this effort. Are you listening in, boys and girls? Are you listening in? Whether you are in a reform school of learning, a conservative school of learning, a reconstructionist, an orthodox, a Hasidic, a Haredi. Send the kids over. We will make it an experience that cannot be replicated in any way. All right. I'm going to go into the Devar Torah soon. Wow, the time is flying. But looking here. Oh, yeah. What, so many, like one last time. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Saw a great video. Happy to send it to any, any of you. I want to get into Shabbos on an upbeat. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about this. Last week's show, we called... I think, except if you're Jewish. The rules don't apply. Any of you who know me very, very, very well, you could all fit in my living room. But anyway, anybody who knows me very, very well knows that I have a real love-hate, little weightier on the hate side with the feminist movement. That's not to say that, well, we'll talk about that another show. I see the fallout, I see the damage, I see the sadness. I see the incredible opportunities that so many women, beautiful, glorious women, lost in a movement that could have been rife with holiness, but instead 
was enriched with rage and absolutely misguided intentions. Another show, another show. Where were the feminists? Where are the feminists? As Jewish women are crawling out from the cesspool of Gaza and looking for rape crisis help. There is none outside of Israel. The feminist organizations who claim to be dedicated to the welfare of women everywhere are disingenuous. No, they're liars. Perhaps they are worried about women in Somalia and women in the Netherlands, women in Ireland, women in the States. I'm looking at my list. Unless you are a woman in Israel. And these global women's groups have been silent. Their silence is uglier than they would have if they would have been more honest and say, yeah, it doesn't apply to Jewish women because Jewish women are the enemy. Okay, be stupid. But in your self-righteous silence, you say everything about yourselves. Your silence in light of the rapes by Hamas. The evidence was there. The the audacity until we see the evidence. Not even worth, not even worth the oxygen on these airways. So understand, as the United Nations promotes an awareness campaign of the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women on November 25th, what was that, a few days ago? Two words were missing, except Jews. The survivors are screaming. The first responders, the men who witnessed Hamas's October 7th, they painted, it's available, the horrifying picture of the systematic sexual assaults that were perpetrated against women and Girls, three-year-old girls. So as you are thinking where to put your donations, where to put your money, I'm just looking, the silence, the silence, the silence, the silence from first ladies, the silence from world leaders. We know what we expect from Queen Rania Jordan. If only she was intelligent as she is beautiful. Anyway, so now I think you know, one day get me started on abortion. Okay. Um, came across this lovely, okay, we're going into Dvar Torah now. Oh my gosh, the clock is ticking. Um, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Came across this lovely quote, very famous. You know, um, I learned in my coaching classes some of the work from Francis Ward Heller, who's a psychotherapist and author and a claims that he is a his name is francis but it's a man and he is a soul activist 
I like that. A little hippie, but I like it. Anyway, I feel that this describes Israel so much, Israelis to a T. And um, Dr. Ward Heller is quoted as saying, and I can send this to you if you write it to me, the work of the mature person is to carry grief in one hand and gratitude in the other and to be stretched large by them. How much sorrow can I hold? That's how much gratitude I can give. If I carry only grief, I'll bend towards cynicism and despair. If I have only gratitude, I'll become saccharine and won't develop much compassion for other people's suffering. Grief, the gift of grief, keeps the heart fluid and soft, which helps make compassion possible. I particularly love this quote because this very much describes the weight and the heartbeat of Israel. So many of us are walking around with the grief, but that is the grief that, that, that makes us, that makes it difficult to go to work, makes it difficult to parent, to cook, to make a Shabbos, to greet a neighbor, to be an invested husband, wife, parent. And because of that, we stop and we remember how good it is. All right. May I have a sip of coffee? Of course, Andrea. I have a sip of coffee. Mm. Ice cold coffee made at 4.45 this morning. Okay. This week's Parsha, this week's Torah portion is Vayishlach. Okay. And... One of the things that's brought down, you know, I get a lot of quotes, a lot of ideas. I put this, this is a whole mishmash hour of our Torah, but you know what? It's like all of us. We're vibrant, we're alive, we're multifaceted. So Hamas, Hezbollah, yeah, they can outdo us on rage every time. They can outdo us on cruelty. There was that wonderful line, and again, I'm only paraphrasing from Golda Meir, who once was quoted as saying, we can forgive you for killing our children. We can never forgive you for making our children kill yours. So damn Jewish. What should they fear? They should fear the power of our love, the power of our potential unity, because this is what will defeat them and whatever they plan. There was a Reuters poll recently. Um, a majority of Americans now back a ceasefire, a ceasefire in the war fighting against Hamas. I know that this is very difficult for my friends in the West to hear when I tell them that at least by my straw poll, we loathe the ceasefire. The hostages aside, this ceasefire is not good for Israel, is the majority opinion. Nearly 70% of Americans said that the Israeli government should pursue a ceasefire, including, well, here's a surprise, 
three quarters of the Democrats and half of the Republicans. That to me is a surprise. Predictably, as the time goes by and the proper and the that that, that Arab propaganda continues to be promoted, support for Israel is waning, which is why the ceasefire is for us so dangerous. So the calls for a ceasefire is happening, but you know what? Rockets are continuing to rain down on us and not in areas that are in dispute. And that's in quotes. Anybody see my air quotes? In dispute. But in central Israel and air quotes, undisputed cities like Tel Aviv. You know, the modern founders, well, the, the, the modern Israel's founders, let's get that accurate, David Ben-Gurion and Menachem Begin, they dis- disagreed on a lot. I used to be a real David Ben-Gurion groupie, but you know what? The longer I live here, I have great esteem, but he got a lot of it wrong. But what did they both agree on? They understood that Israel can never afford to bend itself to conform to the will of the nations of the world. Ben-Gurion once said, what matters is not what the Goyim say, but what the Jews do. Sit on that a minute. Not what the Goyim say, but what the Jews do. Menachem Begin was, was describing the lessons of the Shoah, the Holocaust. And he said, when a Jew anywhere in the world is threatened or under attack, Do everything in your power to come to his aid. Never pause to wonder what the world will think. The world will never pity slaughtered Jews. The world may not necessarily like the fighting Jew, but the world will have to take account of him. Do we want to be loved? Do we want to be feared? This is the question. You know, at the time of the Washington rally, um, Naftali Bennett, again, I have to be honest, I'm not a big groupie. However, he said something that I absolutely, it would be, it would be irresponsible for me not to share this wonderful statement that he made. You know, he, he talks about the huge wave of anti-Semitism and He says, we will not convince anti-Semites, but our victory is clear and the elimination of our enemy will put fear in the hearts of our enemies. We don't need to be loved. Just let them be afraid of us forever at all costs. There is no choice. So Ben-Gurion, Naftali Bennett, David ben um, Menachem Begin, they weren't the first to weigh in on whether it's better to be loved or feared. Machiavelli, remember? I, I never really understood when somebody said, oh my goodness, it's Machiavellian. But you know what? Niccolo Machiavelli concluded about 500 years ago, whether it be better to be loved than feared or feared than loved, one should wish to be both. But because it's difficult to unite them in one person, It's much safer to be feared than loved. I like that. The Torah tells us, all the people of the earth 
shall see that God's name is proclaimed over you, and they shall stand in fear of you. The Talmud explains that this verse is referring to tefillim shibarosh, the phylacteries, you know, the tefillin, the leather straps that one places on one's head. The Talmud doesn't say tefillin al-harosh, tefillin wore, worn on the head, but tefillin shibarosh, tefillin in the head. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg brings down the story that's told by the Vilna Gaon, the great 18th century sage. He was once staying at an inn when a stranger came in and attacked the Jewish owner who was wearing tefillin and praying. The Gaon heard and opened the door to his room where he was also praying with tefillin. When the attacker saw the Vilna Gaon, he was overwhelmed with fear and fled. When the owner asked what happened, the Gaon explained that our rabbis taught, when someone sees the, the head to fill in, they're going to fear you. And the owner responded, but I was also wearing to fill in on my head, and that didn't stop him from attacking me. The Gaon Mevilna explained, you're wearing your to fill in on your head. I am wearing to fill in in my head. I don't just place the leather box on top of my head. I place the messages the values, the ideas in my head. Said the Gaon Mevilna, when we believe, when we live and practice what God wants from us, the nations of the world will fear us. Fear or love. Let our enemies fear how much the Jews love and how much love God and how much the Jews love one another. You know, I think about all of you listening into the show this morning. So many of us, we are so different. We're such different colors. We have such different languages, such different back backgrounds and different levels of Jewish awareness and education. But we're discovering each other through platforms such as this, programs on this station and other outlets. Because we are Am Achad, one people, even though we still haven't met. You know, take a minute and think. Half of the number that stood at Har Sinai at the foot of the mountain of Sinai, as you have ever envisioned that in whatever manner, whatever technicolor, you have thinking about the Jews receiving the Torah, half that number was a parrot, was standing together on the promenade in Washington, D.C. My friends, it is so close at hand. If only we will that energy and that righteous drive to accept that beautiful yoke of achdut, of brotherhood, of Torah. They were filled with love for each other, love for our brothers and sisters, love for the hostages, love for those of us, we feel it, living in Israel, keeping it safe, keeping it strong, keeping the home fires burning for when you come home. 
Hamas, Hezbollah, anti-Semites, you be afraid. You be very afraid. Because who we are and who we are blessed to always be, we will defeat you and your plan. Oh my, there's so much going on. All right, I want to share, because we're talking live, I want to share some very distressing news that I just came in and you're hearing it from me. Um, I actually have children in this neighborhood, and of course I will check the news afterwards. Apparently, just a few moments ago, there was another terror attack. We know who they are in the neighborhood, the northern Jerusalem neighborhood of Ramot. Um, six have been wounded. Two terrorists were neutralized, that's the word, made into roadkill. And um, it looks like seven were injured and one is in terrible, terrible condition. The station will keep you apprised of the latest attack. Holy, holy Jews, each one a world, each one a billion times better than the vermin that does what they do and lashes out. And um, we'll keep you appraised. Okay. Um, all right. I want to just, um, yeah, yeah, let's just finish up here because I want to share this um, on our um, the, the station. Stay tuned to the station today. I'm sure right after this show you will have some much more accurate information. I just wanted you to know that we're doing this in real time. All right, this is the Torah portion where um, Jacob, Yaakov, is wrestling with the angel, Okay. So the commentators, they're in general agreement. I'm going to race through this because, I, because it's very important that we take this to our Sabbath. They're in a general agreement that the angel that was, um, that the Chumash, the Torah, is referring to as wrestling with um, Yaakov is Samael, the heavenly angel of Asaph. And a lot has been written on Samael. Look it up on your own. Very interesting. But don't listen to non-Jewish sources. Check out the, the Jewish sources, okay? But how is this confrontation to be understood? And what does it pretend to the people of Israel itself? Remember, every single Torah per- portion relates to what is going on in our lives right here. So the Rambam explains that this battle is a prophetic vision, a dream. It's not a physical struggle. Many of the other Rishonim, those are the, the early uh, rabbinic commentators, including Rashi, the Rambam, Ibn Ezra, and Barbanel, they differ with the Rambam and assert that it was indeed a physical battle between Yaakov and Samael, which lasted all night. So um, Rabbi Ben-Zion Fira, in his book, Hagionash uh, Torah, the brilliance of Torah, interprets this confrontation, okay, this is where we're leaving the show today. Check it out. As a battle for Aliyah to Eretz Israel. 
because at the end of last week's portion, we find Yaakov is returning to his land after Levan tried to destroy him and the Jewish people. So regarding Levan, we read in the Haggadah, okay? Levan bikesh la'akor et hakol. Levan sought to uproot all. With the help of God, Yaakov prevails. However, his struggle now becomes one of survival against the angel of Esav who wants to succeed where Levan fails. In a battle which lasted all night, the angel Samael inflicts a brutal physical damage on Yaakov, hoping to keep him in Galut, to keep him in the diaspora. As long as Yaakov remains in the Galut with Esav, Esav has the possibility to vanquish Yaakov. I'm not going to mince words. As long as Jews are in the diaspora, Esav can launch periodic pogroms against the Jewish people. But if Yaakov will be in his own land, the hand of Esav will be unable to destroy him. For this reason, Samael injures Yaakov in his thigh, a lame Yaakov, an injured Yaakov must then limp back to Eretz Yisrael. Our sages are teaching us the deeds of the fathers are the pattern for the children. Samael's success with the Jewish people is greater than it was with Yaakov. Aliyah for the Jewish people? It's always been slow. It's always been painful. It's always been riddled with vapid excuses. In fact, it's only been achieved by a few in history. Whether, whenever there was an opportunity, a cry from the heavens for Aliyah, it's always undertaken by only a few and always under difficult circumstances. You know, the injury which Yaakov sustained by the hand of his adversary, the word Gid, Hanasheh, the sinew of the thigh vein, it, refer, it, ref, um, it, refer, it refers to that, I know I'm going to say it wrong, the, is, the ischiatic nerve. However, that nerve also means to forget. To forget. The angel tried to cause the Jews to forget about their homeland. Therefore, we were admonished never to eat the gid hanashe, the certain cuts of meat were not allowed. As an inspiration for the name of Yosef's son, Menasha, it's written in the Torah, for Hashem made me forget my troubles and all my father's house is what he says. We, the Jewish people, are not permitted to forget Without the land of Israel, there is no existence for our people. The land of Israel, the people of Israel, the Torah of Israel, we are one. I wish all of us a Shabbat Shalom or Mivorach from Jerusalem. <laughs>